Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 34, week 34, volume 34, number fucking 34. How you going, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've had a great week. Lots in store this week, as it is every week. It is a stacked show. We've got all the Mosh news. We've got some Mosh reviews, and our Mosh interview is with James of Harm's Way. All of that is coming up in the show. Let's start things off as we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Tasmanian tech death metal lords themselves, Psychroptic, have announced their seventh album will be released on November the 9th and will be called As the Kingdom Drowns. To coincide with this news, the band have also unleashed the first single called We Are The Keepers. All of this is coming out through Prosthetic Records. Psychroptic are fucking amazing. If you've yet to cop this band, you need to get into it. One of those bands that really helped get me into the technical death metal side of things. They were highly recommended to me probably about seven or eight years ago, and ever since I've been a massive fucking fan. Really excited for this album. As I said, it's called As the Kingdom Drowns. The first single phenomenal. It's not the strongest we've heard from Psychroptic, but I have a feeling, without a doubt, it's going to be a very, very strong album. So the single's called We Are The Keepers. The album, as I said, is As The Kingdom Drowns. It's all coming out through Prosthetic Records, and it's coming out on November the 9th. Speaking of heavy stuff, Behemoth released another music video from their upcoming album, The upcoming album is called I Loved You At Your Darkest. The album is coming out on October 5th, and the single they released is called Wolves of Siberia. Wow, fucking hell, Behemoth are definitely in fine form with this song, and to think that they're carrying on after such a stellar album that was The Satanist, clearly this upcoming album is just going to be as good, maybe even better and that's saying a lot. But it is Behemoth. I don't ever think we've really been let down by Behemoth. So it's really exciting and a really, really good video. It's everything you expect from Behemoth. Very dark, very satanic, very brutal, really entertaining and engaging. So the song they have released is called Wolves of Siberia. It's coming off the upcoming album called I Loved You at Your Darkest, which is out October 5th. Soulfly have given us another taste of their upcoming album, which is called Ritual, and they have released the title track. The album comes out October 19th, and it's all through Nuclear Blast Records. Now, the other week we spoke about the first song they'd released, and I wasn't really feeling it, but something about this song, Ritual, really got to me. I think this is a really good song. It has everything you expect of a Max Cavalera song. If you're a fan of anything Max has done, you're going to love this song. Will this album be good? Will this album maintain a pretty strong career? That's probably an understatement, really, by Max. We'll have to wait and see. So the song released is Ritual. The album is called Ritual. It is coming out October 19th through Nuclear Blast Records. Aborted have released another new song from their upcoming album. 
The album is called Terror Vision and it comes out on September 21st through Century Media. The song is called Versapatine Decay and it's everything you expect of the aborted. It is brutality with so much groove going on and little heads up, we have already heard this album thanks to Century Media and it is amazing. Really good song this one as well. Very strong album. Really looking forward to delving into the review in the coming weeks. But enough about the album. That music video, as I said, is Versa Patine Decay. It is from the upcoming album Terrorvision. It is all by Aborted, and it's coming out September 21st through Century Media. The crossover lords, the thrash lords themselves, Iron Reagan, have announced a new EP is on its way. The EP will be called Dark Days Ahead. It is coming out on Popwig Records, and it will see the light of day on October the 12th. Really good that Iron Reagan are constantly pushing out music. An interesting side note has been revealed is a lot of these songs were kind of left on the recording floor. They were B-sides and not fully finished songs from their last album. So you expect some sexy riffage, some sexy fun times. And of course, being Iron Reagan, they don't ever disappoint, do they? So the EP is called Dark Days Ahead. It is coming out October 12th through Pop Wig Records. English new metalcore band God Complex are going to release their debut EP called Created Sick on October 5th. God Complex are a very interesting band, a very promising band coming out of England and definitely, definitely worth your time. If you're into that kind of alpha wolf metalcore that's kind of going on by a lot of bands at the moment, being honest, this band does it very well, very well executed. So I'm really excited to hear this EP. The EP, as I said, is called Created Sick. It comes out October 5th, and the band is God Complex. Now, speaking of gods, there's another band coming out of Britain called God Something, and that is God Eater. Technically, they're Scottish, and they have released a brutal, brutal tech death metal song called Extinguished. Now, these guys came across my desk by chance. I'm really glad they did. There's something going on here. It's a bit familiar. It's a bit different. It's a bit tech death. It's a bit prog. It's a bit brutal. It's a bit beautiful. A bit of everything here. Make sure you check this one out. As I said, the band is called God Eater and it is called Extinguished. While we're still talking about England, another English band, Bleach, have announced their debut EP will be called Discontent and will be coming out on September the 28th. Really exciting band. Again, another new metalcore band, but a little bit different from the other ones. I'm excited to see what this band can do on an EP. It is only four tracks, so I don't know if we really can call it an EP, but I guess we'll let that slide and say it is. So that is Bleach, and the EP is called Discontent, and it comes out September 28th. Sydney band Resist the Thought have come back with a brand new song called Awakened Salvation. They've released it online and in a music video form. 
I really enjoyed this song. It's very throwback day metalcore, but really enjoyable. There has been a bit of an interesting online negativity towards this band, and I don't think that's fucking fair. Resist the thought if you don't know them, were always very much a cliched deathcore band. They are still cliched, you could say, but now in more of a metalcore feel. But that doesn't detract from the song being entertaining, very groovy, and really, really good fun. Give it a check out and let us know what you think. The song is Awakened Salvation, and it is by Resist the Thought. English band Our Hollow, Our Home have released another music video from their upcoming album, which is due on October the 19th. The music video is called In Moment, and the album is called In Moment in Memory. Now, I was a big follower of this band for their first EP and their debut album that was released last year. Starting to get a bit nervous. Not really into this. It's... I think it's feeling too Amity Affliction. And if you know what Amity Affliction do, then you know where I am going with this. Too much cleans, too much emphasis on it. It can work for some bands. I don't feel it's working for this band. But I don't want to get too much ahead of myself because it is just another single from the album. The album will have a lot of tracks, apparently. We'll have 15 or 16 tracks. We will delve into it then, hopefully, These few songs we've heard are just some of the weaker songs, let's say. So the band is Our Hollow, Our Home. The song is In Moment and the album is called In Moment, In Memory. New York hardcore's icons themselves, sick of it all, finally released the first taste of their forthcoming album, which is called Waking the Sleeping Dragon. That album comes out November the 2nd through Century Media. The song they released is called Inner Vision, and it is everything you expect of Sick of It All. It is absolutely outstanding that Sick of It All are still doing what they do. They have maintained their style and haven't waned to what the mainstream says is popular. It's really good, really catchy, really hardcore, really punky, really, really good, and so glad that it is Sick of It All doing what Sick of It All do well. The song is called Inner Vision, the album is called Waking the Sleeping Dragon, and it all comes out through Century Media on November the 2nd. Last bit of news this week, Terror have unleashed the second music video from their forthcoming album called Total Retaliation, which is coming out September the 28th through Nuclear Blast Records and Pure Noise Records. Fuck yes. Terra are back with another fucking jam. And I might be biased when I say, but fuck, this band are amazing. Absolutely love this song. Absolutely love this band. The song is called Spirit of Sacrifice. The album is called Total Retaliation, coming out September the 28th. So that's it for the Mosh News this week. That segment is done and dusted. Now, any of those... Artworks, tour news, pre-order links, music videos, new songs, all of that that we've discussed you can find on our website and social medias. So if you go on our website, it's 
themoshzone.com. You can go on our social medias, which are Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. Jump on there. You can watch those videos, look at those artworks, really delve into all of those news pieces that have been discussed. It's also really important that you like and follow our social medias. And it's also important that you subscribe to the website because we keep you updated when we get updated. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week, we have the debut EP by Anticline called Hesitancy out now. So first things first, this EP is six tracks and this band, Anticline, are from Ballarat in regional Victoria, Australia. One thing that's really exciting about Anticline, musically this band have an ability to dabble with several genres. You can't really pigeonhole this band as being one thing. As soon as you say they're metalcore, they start sounding hardcore. As soon as you say that, they start sounding deathcore. As soon as you say that, they start sounding new metal. It's a massive positive and a really exciting draw card for this band. As I said, there's a bit of everything going on here. So there's two-step mosh hardcore, there's brutality and downtuned riffage of deathcore, and there is the unhinged atmosphere appealings of new metal. All of this and a splash of metalcore. This is great because it will please and cater to almost anyone and everyone that likes something heavy. Now, I said it was a six-track EP, and that's really refreshing to hear. You don't get a lot of people doing a six-track EP nowadays. That's really exciting. That's really refreshing. Another thing is Anticline are a band that you can hear on the songs. They're taking the time and effort to really craft each song to make them stand on their own right. Musically, through your headphones, you have drums that blast frenetically, and help carry the backbone of the songs. The bass rumbles in the mix. It's not lost, thank fuck. Guitars have bite, edge, anger, and create eerie atmospheres. The vocals sway from this yelling hardcore bark to this guttural intensity that's full of emotion. Anticline are also a band that are not afraid to play with song structures and tempos. Sometimes what you expect to happen next in a song won't happen. And that's great. Every song, every moment keeps you on your toes. There's not a lot of negatives going on here, but if I have to mention a negative is the production and mixing was a bit too raw for me. I really feel this band would have done with some extra polish, just a bit of extra niceties going on with the mix, and I feel it really could have taken them just a little step further up. But that's really nitpicking. Another negative, but it's not overly negative. At times, I'm not 100% sure of this band's identity. Now, with time, they're a young band, they will grab that, they will cement that. But those are very nitpicky negatives, but this is a really excitable, really repeatable, worthy EP. And that's pretty rare nowadays, especially coming out of Australia. As I said, Anticline have created something for everyone. Talent here is really scary, and scary in a good way. The sky is the limit for this band. 
they just need to be given some backing. Really excited to see and hear what's next for them. Hopefully some bigger shows, hopefully some tours, and hopefully an album within the next year or two. Australians, you definitely have a hidden gem here in the heavy scene. This is for fans of Advocates, Alpha Wolf, Knocked Loose, Code Orange, these kind of bands. The EP I am talking about is Hesitancy. It is by Anticline. It is out now. And we do give it 8 out of 10. Next album up for review this week is the new album by Clutch called Book of Bad Decisions out now. First things first, this is Clutch's 12th album. Massive, absolute massive career this band have had. Also, this album is 15 tracks long. If you know Clutch, you know that they are regarded and loved for their live shows. They are heavily known for their high-energy, bluesy, southerny vibes that has a punk, rock and roll sensibility. On this album, you can tell without a doubt, Clutch are still as great of a band now as they have always been. They're not a band that have had a bad album in their discography, and thankfully, Book of Bad Decisions maintains that. This album, really interestingly and really excitingly, was recorded as a full band in one room at the same time. Because that's happened, there's such a bouncy, energetic, organic and fresh feel to this album. Also here, there's no real surprises, and I don't mean that in a negative way, especially when it comes to Clutch. There's everything you expect and everything you want from this Clutch album. There's infectious, head-banging groove, balls-to-the-wall songs, slow country-vibe ballads, rock attitude, bluesy swagger, and lots and lots of fun. This is a great fucking album from Clutch. And if you know Clutch, there's no fucking surprise in that at all. This album is a wild fun ride that beats with passion and talent. This album has all the classic ingredients with a dash of a very live and very personal sounding album. This album needs to be turned up loud and you need to rock the fuck out. If you haven't heard of Clutch before, this is your perfect place to start. If you've heard Clutch before, you know what you're getting. Really great album, and for fans of Clutch, it's simple as that. The album I am talking about is Book of Bad Decisions. It is by Clutch. It is out now, and we do give it a 9 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is a new album by Pig Destroyer called Head Cage. Out now. First things first, sixth album into Pig Destroyer's career. And this one clocks in at 12 tracks and around about 31 minutes. Pig Destroyer, as everyone probably knows if you're into the extreme music or heavy music scene, are grindcore legends and pioneers. At the heart and core of this band lies pure anger and rage and unhinged sensibilities. This has never changed throughout their career. Now, though, 
It's just a little bit more of a matured sound. It's just a tiny bit different than you'd expect. Interestingly enough, this album is also the first release that Pig Destroyer have ever had with a bass player on it. And I think that's played a part, not only in the sound you're getting, but also in the writing abilities. Don't get it minced. Pig Destroyer is extreme music as it ever could be. Pig Destroyer are the perfect example of what extreme music is. They still have their roots in the grindcore, but they've evolved this brutal beast to include more sounds and more elements into their sound. But that's not a worrying thing to say. It's still violent, it's still dangerous, it's still Pig Destroyer. There's all the blast beat craziness, there's all that nasty bloodletting vibes that you expect, but now there's a big play of groove, and now they're not just trying to be fast for the sake of being fast, now it feels like they're trying to be heavy as well. This album is very refreshing and forward thinking for them. They're a band that didn't need to change and could have just stayed the same, but they're a band that clearly want to take another step forward. At times, it has a very dirty, hardcore influence on the grindcore. At times, it feels very much like nails, if you will. This album, Head Cage, is really enjoyable. It's really intense. It's really dirty. It's really unpleasant. It's rotten. It's murderous. It's well-rounded, well-crafted, a perfect addition to the Pig Destroyer discography. This album is for fans of Pig Destroyer, Full of Hell, Nails. This album I am talking about is Head Cage. It is by Pig Destroyer. It is out now, and we do give it an 8.5 out of 10. So that's it for the Mosh reviews done in the can for this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there something that's come out that we've missed or you want us to review? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an EP or an album on the way and you'd like us to review it? Get in touch. Let us know. Now... If you want to get in touch, you can get in touch through our email. That is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through our website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Or you can get in touch through our social medias. All of those are at The Mosh Zone, and you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So get in touch. Let us know. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's now that time of the show. It's now the time for our Mosh interview. I was really, really lucky to be able to sit down and have a great chat with James of Harm's Way, an absolute fucking legend. So very grateful that James was able to put aside some time for me and was able to come on the Moshone. Really, really grateful. Very, very thankful. Great chat. Great dude. Great insight into all about himself and harm's way. That chat with James is coming up now. 
do you remember what band kind of got you into music? Uh, well, I could tell you kind of like the scenario in which I got into music. Uh, basically, uh, my dad, um, he was really into like rock and roll music and metal uh, basically my whole life. So uh, when I was younger, um, he's kind of very influential on what types of music I listen to. Um, and I grew up obviously from, you know, a lot of the grunge music, a lot of the good metal in the nineties. Um, so my dad, you know, a lot of Metallica, a lot of, uh, you know, like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Um, and then like the grunge bands, Alice in Chains, Nirvana. Um, my dad was really into those. So he kind of influenced me, uh, to kind of listen to just heavier music, kind of more rock and guitar. Um, it's kind of funny. My dad, um, he's very anti-rap, um, um, and not for any other reason, not for racial reasons, but in, in the sense that he's, he's doesn't, doesn't like hip hop because it doesn't have any, any, uh, musical talent in his eyes. So when I was growing up, you know, if, you know, my friends were listening to rap, he'd say like, don't listen to that stuff. Like, that stuff's crap, you know? <laughs> Like listen to real music, you know. So, and that was kind of that's what kind of directed me into into liking, you know, guitar driven music, and and obviously <laughs> it's lasted until now. So, so basically, it was a, a pretty musical household. Like music was widely around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad, um, yeah, like I said, like when he was younger, he listened to you know a lot of the rock and roll bands. You know, really into the Beatles, Beach Boys, you know, a lot of the classic rock, um, like Ted Nugent, you know, he saw The Who, you know, he, my, my mom and his first date was Judas Priest and UFO. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool, just, uh, you know, growing up around, my dad played guitar, you know, he was in a band before. So just, yeah, I mean, music was just a part of my life for you know, as far as back as I can remember as a, as a kid. So when did you decide that, I mean, cause I know you started out, you played bass, if I'm correct in thinking for in a few bands when you first yeah. started, but when did like playing an instrument really become part of your thing when you were growing up? Well, it's kind of funny. So, um, the first band I ever tried to start, I was in sixth grade I, I had a my dad bought me a guitar when I was like five years old, but like, I never really learned how to play guitar that well. Um, but I could play a couple of chords and I tried to start a band with my friend who played drums, who was learning how to play drums. And we, we were in sixth grade. So we called it six plus, <laughs> uh, and, uh, we have a, a tape in which a song we wrote. Um, and obviously it's about as basic of a, of a song as you can get, but I guess that was kind of the start on wanting to learn how to play music and play an instrument. Um, you know, I, I had dabbled with playing drums for a little bit. Um, we had a drum set in the basement, um, cause my dad would play guitar with my uncle. Um, and he, my uncle would play drums. So I wasn't very good, obviously it's very difficult to, learn how to play drums without lessons. So, but you know, I, I, I always wanted to play and, and it wasn't probably until, um, I was a senior in high school, um, that I started playing bass. Um, and mostly that had to do with time. I was very active in, in sports. So a lot of my time went, went to sports. 
until I was later in high school, 17 and 18. So, um, but yeah, playing bass basically happened because I wanted to play an instrument and bass is probably the easiest instrument to learn. Um, it, well, yeah, it is. It's two strings less than a guitar. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you, you um, mentioned sport. Now I know one thing um, that anyone who really sees a picture of you knows you're big into your weights and powerlifting now but when you sure. when you grew up what sports were your sports um you know my we were a basketball household mm-hmm. um my dad my dad actually played college basketball so um you know everything was basketball um but uh we were also really into baseball like I'm a big White Sox fan. Yeah. My whole family's big White Sox fan. So um, those are like the two like major sports that we were really into. Um, so I, I played basketball since I was like five or six years old in like leagues and things like that. And um, I always liked football, but my dad was never really into football. And obviously he was a big influence on everything <laughs> growing up. So I, I like football, but I didn't play football till like junior high. And I played, uh, yeah, basketball, baseball, football, basically until through sophomore year of high school. And then, uh, as I like to say, punk music kind of ruined my uh, my drive to want to continue playing organized sports for a little bit, at least. But um, I still play like the, our drummer Chris. Um, him and I play in the softball league, like a twelve-inch softball league. Um, which is fun to play. You know, we play basketball still. So, I mean, I, I like I like playing sports a lot. I kind of regret sometimes not continuing because uh, I was a pretty good athlete. You know, I probably – I don't know if I would have gone far or anything, but, you know, it might have helped me pay for college a little bit if I would have uh, tried a little bit harder. But Now, when, but, when did um, weights come into play? Because um, I know that, you know, you've done the powerlifting quite a bit. And you somehow managed to maintain your athleticism and physique while on the road. But what age? <laughs> what age did you go? Yeah, you know, I like lifting heavy shit. I mean, because it takes it takes a bit to do that. I mean, so basically, I know. I mean, I know. I keep bringing up my dad, but my dad is like one of my best friends. Very influential on pretty much everything I've done in my life. But so you know, growing up, my dad always used to get. Um, Flex Magazine, mm-hmm. Powerlifting USA. So, like, my whole life, you know, if you're going to take a shit in the magazine rack, you know, you'd always have the bodybuilding magazines. You'd always have the powerlifting. And, like, you know, I, I mean, this is before the internet was really popular. So that was, like, the only kind of way to learn about how to lift weights and, and kind of how to get, you know, into that sort of thing. And, like, you know, like I said, my dad, we had a gym in our basement from, you know, as early as I can remember in my whole life. So, you know, I would go down there and kind of mess around in junior high, but not not seriously. Um, you know, my dad would, would kind of help me, you know, learn the basics and stuff. But it probably wasn't until – so basically I tried out for the basketball team when I was a junior in high school. Um, and I didn't really practice all summer, didn't make it. And that the next day I signed up for a, uh, like a gym and basically just bodybuilded for pretty much four or five years um, until I got into powerlifting, which I got into powerlifting about when I was 21. Um, 
and pretty much that's the type of training I've done ever since. I'm 32 now, so yeah, about I've been powerlifting at around 11 to 12 years. Um, but but lifting weights consistently, I probably started when I was 17, um, and then a couple years before that, lifting you know casually, you know maybe a few times a week, but. Um, but yeah, pretty much ever since then, I haven't really taken a break um, for longer than uh, a month or two. And that was because I broke my arm once um, and I stopped lifting for that duration. But because <laughs> you had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's not nothing that hasn't been said before, but it's a good way for me to deal with life, you know, stay in shape. You know, it's just something I, I want to continue to do for the remainder of my life until, you know, I can't do it anymore. And then I'll probably do lifting weights, just not as uh, heavy and not as, as grueling, I guess. So gro- so growing up, you obviously, you know, sporting was going on, you're discovering music. Um, but when you were in high school, I mean, you obviously were a bit of a, you're an interesting polar when growing up as a kid, because when I grew up as a kid, you had the alternative kind of punk kids and then you mm-hmm. had the sport kids there was never really a blur in the line but obviously you were a blur in the line so how was high school were you kind of accepted by both camps or were you kind of you know socially put to the side because you liked both so like i guess when i was in junior high um that's i guess when clicks start kind of mm. you know being formed and stuff i always kind of preferred to hang out with people who were like unique if you will you know i i liked people that were into like different things even though like i like sports like i had like groups of friends who were into sports and i had groups of friends that were into punk and into music and you know i hung out with both and that's kind of how it was you know my whole life you know even now you know i have lots of friends who don't even know what hardcore is or, or anything like that um, and I always liked it that way. You know, it's, I like having a variety of people to, to hang out with, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with people with the same, you know, interests all the time or the same, you know, perspectives on everything. I mean, that just is boring to me. So, you know, even all the way back then, and, you know, I, I would play, you know, I would play a basketball game and, you know, obviously I'd be the only kid on my team who's listening to 10 yard fight in his headphones before he he plays but partly you know too i think like youth crew in general kind of made it acceptable like for me like in my mind to like both um just because like you know if you look at youth of today they're wearing nikes they're wearing varsity jackets like that thing really appealed to me when i was younger um and like if you you know obviously you look at porcel he's like in the lifting weights, Henry Rollins is in the lifting weights. And so like those types of things kind of like made it okay for me to like, you know, mentally to, to like both things. And, um, you know, like floor punch was a big influence on like how I like carried myself, you know, because they were really into football. They were like, you know, Porter, the singer, like, you know, was in interviews talking about, you know, liking college football and like liking sports. And, and that was kind of unique to, you know, my personal experiences. Cause obviously a lot of people into punk music or hardcore music and metal, you know, 
a lot of them aren't into sports. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool to kind of relate to a few different bands, a few different people to kind of like make it acceptable for me. And it's kind of the way I live my life uh, all the way up till now. So now I also understand, you know, you discovered um, straight edge lifestyle in your teens as well. Um, that's quite, that's quite an exciting thing for a teenager to grasp hold of. Um, what drew you to straight edge as a teenager? Because a lot of us know that as a teenager, they go down the wrong path. They get into the drugs and the alcohol, but as a teenager, you were going the opposite way. What drew you to that lifestyle? You know, I guess like, uh, I had a really close friend, um, and basically he got into straight edge music, um, about seventh and eighth grade is when we started, you know, really kind of getting into that music, but I, I didn't really know what it, no, I didn't know what straight edge meant fully. Um, like there was a point in time where I called myself straight edge without really understanding what it meant. Like for, for, you know, when I was younger, I thought it meant like you wouldn't drink or do drugs for that period of time. Um, and when I got to like freshman year in high school, it's kind of when I started to understand things a little bit more and like what it really meant. Um, and you know, when you're a teenager, you really can't, you know, decide life choices to, you know, you know, you're making a decision on, on, you know, supposedly something for the remainder of your life. You know, you know, you can't call yourself straight edge. You know, I think part of that is, is pretty silly and pretty, you know, pretty, uh, high expectations for, you know, someone who's going through what they are as a teenager, you know what I mean? But, um, there's definitely times throughout my life where I've kind of re, um, reanalyzed like how, you know, what, is this really the right thing for me? Is it really basically, um, the right choice Did I make the right choice when I was younger. And then, you know, for me, I, I, I still think that's true. And that's, why I continue to live that, that lifestyle. Um, I, I really can't see myself ever, you know, drinking alcohol or, or doing drugs, but, you know, at the same time, you know, it's, <laughs> you start to, when you, when you become more mature and you start to realize, you know, you know, how many people are essentially fucking up their lives through substance abuse and things like that. Um, it's really, not really a hard decision for me. It's not something I think about anymore. It's just who I am at this point. Um, did I think when I said I was straight edge when I was 15, that it'd be a lifelong commitment? I, I don't really know, you know, but I'm glad that it has been. Um, and, you know, it probably, you know, when I turned 18, 19, I really, that's kind of when I decided that this was like the lifestyle that I wanted to live no matter what. Um, and I guess that's I guess that's a a more um, appropriate time, you know, to kind of make a, some life decisions, and and maybe even that's too early, you know. That's why it's hard for me to like criticize someone who isn't straight edge anymore, <laughs> because if you make a decision when you're that young, you know, there's a lot of a lot of life left. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that happen. It's not a decision that I think you can criticize someone for, for not doing. So I, you know, obviously when you're younger, you're very like, Oh, fuck this person. They broke edge, blah, blah, blah. But that's just not really how, how I feel anymore. You know, I think 
there's certain things that make someone straight edge. I think the ideas of, you know, keeping a, a clear mind to deal with life in the present without using substances to kind of escape. Um, that's, that's how I want to live my life. And so I guess I'll, I'll live that way until, until I, you know, go underground. <laughs> An interesting thing though, is that some people, do you, do you feel like that tag has been constantly kind of followed you with your career? Because like, it's like when people look at harm's way, people go, Oh, they're a straight edge band. And you go, well, I don't know. I mean, lyrically, I think sometimes you could maybe look into lyrics and say it's straight edge, but I think throwing that tag on it sometimes can drag people away from it because they're like, oh, they're going to be preaching at me. Do you think it's a negative tag or do you think it's just a tag in itself? I mean, I, I guess if, if if it is negative, it's it's probably because, I mean, we call, their, we call ourselves a straight edge band. Um you know the main, the core members of the group are straight edge, and and have been since day one. Currently, there's two members of the band who aren't straight edge, but um, I don't really. For me, you know, I write the lyrics, and the people who started the band are straight edge, and you know, that's what I don't. I don't write you know ten straight edge songs on a record. You know, I've written one straight edge song in the last three records. Um, but it's still something that's important to me. Um, if people don't want to call us a straight edge band, it doesn't really bother me. Um, but in the eyes of, you know, us as, as members of the band, we still consider ourselves a straight edge band. Is it like a big part of the band? No, but, um, I guess people who would be turned off by that, I just, I don't really care. It's kind of, if you're if that's something that's gonna stray you away from checking out a band, then yeah. it's not really important for me to for you to be a fan anyway. <laughs> now, speaking of harm's way, um, I wanted to talk about the interesting thing that you know um, anyone who's kind of delved into finding out how the band started should know or would have found out that it started out as kind of a side project slash fun band. I mean, you yep. you were wearing a mask. There's photos on the net of you wearing like these weird. It's like a lucha libre kind of mask or something. Um, well, <laughs> it actually was like a Russian war mask. Ah, okay, um, yeah. Because you were, and you apparently you were singing lyrics about you know it was it was just having fun kind of stuff. Um, why why start doing a mock? Well, at the time, like a fun band, was it just, oh, we want a, another outlet or was it just something to kill time? Well, I guess like to kind of clear up, it wasn't it wasn't like fun as like, you know, it wasn't the lyrics were not funny to me when I was mm -hmm. writing them. Like they were serious, you know, they were kind of written in a way in which like um, they were funny at times, but like. You know, there's definitely a lot of serious things behind a lot of those lyrics when I was when I was writing them, and um, it was kind of like ridiculous. I would say is more of the is the term um, because it was definitely over the top, um, like trying to offend people. You know, but like there was definitely a good amount of seriousness behind a lot of those things, and we basically wanted to start a band that was like crossed out in fest. 
um, spaz, um, because that was uh, the type of music that I guess was was simplest to sing. And, and you know, they wanted me to sing because my other band, Few and the Proud, um, we basically we were kind of like a, a youth crew New York hardcore band, and so we started practicing after that and kind of writing these fast power violence style songs. And I mean, it really, it was, it was, uh, it was a way for me to start getting into singing for a band, but like, you know, wearing the mask and things like that. I mean, it was, I was very <laughs> socially awkward. Mm -hmm. And so I got, I, I used that as an outlet of, of anger and, um, I just liked wearing the mask because it was intimidating, you know. I, was it hard to people... wear the mask and scream at the same time? It couldn't have been easy. No, I, I rarely made it through the whole set, ah. but sometimes I would. I, I mean, I remember the first show I ever played. We played to maybe like thirty people. We played with Weekend Nachos. I, I don't know mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that band. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got done singing. And I threw up because my chest hurt so bad from like, you know, yelling. I broke a microphone. Um, it was just very, a lot, <laughs> a lot went wrong that day. But, you know, I think singing in a band period is just a good release for like getting out whatever you want to get out. And that was kind of the start of it for me. Um, so with even though like it wasn't very serious, I mean, a lot of the lyrics are not like I don't want people to take them to, to heart, but they were a way of expressing myself, just not in the most intelligent way, I should say. So with singing, I mean, you went from playing bass to now, you know, on playing bass, you're not in the forefront. You're kind of on the side, kind of hidden. Not everyone's going to stare at you. And now you're sure. up the front. Everyone's naturally going to stare at you was there a big adjustment period for you to now be center stage? Cause you said you were wearing the mask to kind of, you know, get past some of that. But when you removed sure. the mask, no longer using it, what was it like now being center of attention? Uh, I mean, when I first started you know, playing shows um, with harm's way, it was a lot different than it is now. I mean, <laughs> we're talking 25, 30 people. You're basically playing to your friend, because, you know, we'd play smaller shows and, you know, basement shows, things like that, where it's like definitely way more intimate. Whereas like, you know, we go, you know, fast forward 2016 playing Hellfest, you're playing the 9000 people, you know, it's very different. But I'm uh, the combination of playing as many shows as I have and teaching and constantly being in front of people like I don't have a fear of being in front of people. Uh, anymore so it, that doesn't bother me but um definitely at the time like using the mask definitely helped kind of you know not really have people judge me as who i was but you know kind of this fake character i made up who played in this band so uh but yeah i, I mean looking back at it i mean i'm happy that we made that music but it's obviously a very different band than um, than we are now so how'd you go with um vocals i mean 
you obviously, was it just all just raw passion and energy when you first started? Because your voice, I mean, if anyone that's listened to the music, the voice has progressively got different because worse. worse. <laughs> no, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's maturing because it's naturally, it's your instrument. So it's getting better with time. But um, did you take lessons or were you just like, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to go for it. And if I lose my voice, I lose my voice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much for like the first three records. It was just scream as loud as I could. I mean, I used to really fuck up my voice to like, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever yelled, but like you can taste like the blood. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I learned over time to use my diaphragm to project sound, um, and pretty much ever since I've done that. You know, I've learned to yell in a way which, you know, I can last longer without losing my voice. You know, I pretty much, this is a pretty funny thing, but in 2010, Todd from Nails told me that he hums for five minutes before he plays and just like, you know, hum like, mmm. And so I started doing that, and, and since that day, I haven't lost my voice ever. So wow. the last wow. eight years, I basically have been able to, you know, go through whole tours, you know, 40 shows in a row without losing my voice. And um, so that's part of it, too, learning to warm up properly, um, consuming a lot of water, you know, learning to use my diaphragm, combination of all those things, basically was was how my voice has kind of progressed and obviously you know you listen to other other bands um i always wanted to make my words you know to be more clear um with the lyrics but it was hard for me to sound angry and do that but i think over time i've kind of learned how to uh i don't know if you want to call it singing but to uh to vocalize (laughs) you know how to you know enunciate certain certain parts of words to to make them more audible because sometimes in, in in the first three or four records i mean it's almost impossible to understand what i'm saying you know but i'm glad that i have kind of developed um a more uh i don't want i don't know what what the word is a more audible clear a clearer voice i guess mm. but still sounding you know angry and and sounding like i'm i'm giving my my all if you will (laughs) so now you mentioned those first three they were imprisoned self-titled and then reality approaches yeah and that brought you up to just before you signed to close casket now how was the time in the band then because that's early stages you're on the grind a lot um you know reflecting on it could you see that you guys were heading in the direction that you are now? I mean, not really. I mean, at the time I was in college, um, we basically, everyone was in college at that time, minus one member. So, I mean, we really just only did the band when we were home on breaks. You know, we would kind of do whatever tours we could when we had off from school. I mean, it was really just a, a hobby at that point. Um, as far as musically, um, I think as time went on, we wanted to sound more metal. So that's why, you know, Reality Approaches and even the self-titled 
there's like, you know, definitely a lot more metal influence than power violence influence. Um, we wanted it to be a heavier band. Um, and I think if you look at, if you go from record to record, it kind of, you know, mirrors the type of music that we um, are into at the time. And I, I would say almost every record sounds slightly different. Mm. Um, but I, I think really the biggest or the most influential record for like how harm's way has established our sound was probably isolation. Um, that was like kind of the record where we kind of developed uh, a sound that we've kind of, that's kind of like the basis of like what every, every song, um, that we have in our records. Now we kind of use that record as, uh, what harm's way sounds like, if you will. Um, but I don't know. It's, I feel like, you know, a lot of people criticize bands for changing their, their sound over time because you're not the same band. So why do you have the same name, et cetera? But I think it's just natural over time that you're going to mature your sound. You're going to, uh, you know, want to play something different. I mean, we've been doing this band for almost 12 years. Why would I want to play the same, you know, type of music over and over and over? You know, we want to try new things. Um, but it's all within the realm of heavy music and that's what's important to me. You know, if we sounded like, you know, <laughs> Garth Brooks or something, then yeah, we would change the name of the band. But Well, I think that's the yeah. thing. People evolve and grow up, so why can't musicians grow and move forward as they continue on? I mean, I think if anyone's criticizing you for changing or growing up, I think that's just, that's immature. And one of those albums that I think... I don't know how was it with Rust in 2015 because that's that's how I feel the most diverse of the catalog because you guys incorporated more of a risk element there was more of the melody a bit more of the industrial tinge I mean now that is on post human as well sure but Rust you really started delving in I know you also took longer to write it I mean was were you worried that this album might just everyone just go oh no way well, I mean, I guess, truthfully, like, up until Rust, like, we really, the band was still 100% a hobby. You know, it wasn't, you know, we weren't doing touring longer than one or two months out of the year. So, Rust was just kind of that record that, you know, we took longer to write because we had to rush blinded we had to write blinded and record it within one month of time. Jeez. And somehow that happened. I don't really know how, but we didn't want that to happen with rust. And so, um, we kind of took our time with that, you know, writing songs, going back, revising, making sure that we were happy with all the parts. And obviously when you have five members in a band, it makes it a little more difficult at times to, agree upon what's good and what's not. Um, and, you know, I, we wanted it to sound heavy, but we also wanted it to be catchy as well. Um, and that's kind of, was kind of the thought process going into that record. Um, we wanted to have um, like some Celtic Frost, monotheist influences, Triptychon. Um, we wanted to have 
some Deftones influences. Um, that's I think that's part of why some of the, the more melodic songs come into play. We we wanted to have a little bit of influence from from that direction, but um, pretty much, you know, yeah. I mean, that record. Looking back on it, I don't dislike the record, but it's a little too soft for me. Um, my liking, I think, the direction that we took post human is is the direction that we're going to continue to to take it. Um, we're going to continue to write some heavier music. Um, we'll continue to use more industrial influences, probably have some more industrial songs in general, um, just because I think that's, A, that's what we like better, and, and A, I think that um, Post Human was probably the most successful record that we've done as a band. So um, why not keep moving in that direction if, if both parties are happy, you know what I mean? So. And on, you were saying that it was still a hobby going kind of into Rust, but um, the the album seemed to kind of turn you guys into this is now a thing, like more serious in a way, because you guys were now popping on all these festivals, you were now getting touring a lot more, and you still are now, but um, you then transitioned being serious so was it a effort or was it a what i'm trying to say is like did you collectively go i think we now need to focus on this or was it just kind of naturally just started becoming a focus yeah i mean i guess like we just started getting more opportunities that i mean that record led us to um i don't want to it's kind of cliche but like bigger and better things if you will you know like like we started getting more opportunities for touring. We started, you know, being able to become a little bit more profitable and have, you know, as far as career goals in mind, you know, Harm's Way had never really made enough money where we could, you know, make enough money to pay our bills and do all that whole thing until, you know, we had rust and, and that was kind of like the start of like, okay, like, you know, maybe this is something we should concentrate on. And, and, you know, we can actually become, you know, uh, a career band if we put our, put our mind to it and we concentrate on, on that specifically. Um, and that was kind of, that was the turning point for us, you know, just getting more opportunities, having, you know, kind of everyone in the band commit to this idea of being a, a full-time band. Um, and we've pretty much held on to that ever since then. So, you know, we've, Toured, we try to tour about six or seven months out of the year if we can and use the rest of the time to, you know, write some new music or, you know, spend some time at home <laughs> so that, uh, you know, my, I don't have a girlfriend, but, uh, you know, the other guys, you know, they have to maintain that, that home relationship stuff as well. So it's, it's an important to balance those things, but, um, I think, you know, touring is is the key to to being successful um in metal and hardcore i mean with obviously you you, you basically you know don't really sell a ton of records with apple music spotify you know those types of things i mean you're selling a fraction of the of the records that you would have if you were a band in like the 90s so it's important that you tour that's how you get your music out and you know that's basically you know, we've continued to, to do that and we have pretty much endless tours lined up now <laughs> for, 
print until basically next summer. So, <laughs> and a lot of that, like you were saying, is because of um, posthuman. Um, I've got I've got all your stuff on CD. I've got three on CD, and then I've got a couple on vinyl. But posthuman was the one that really, yeah, wow, did it. It felt like suddenly, you know, I was someone that in the hardcore ranks of friends, you'd mention Harm's Way and they'd know. But suddenly now, if you mention Harm's Way to anyone that likes heavy music, they at least know who you are. Sure. Do you feel like um, the album's finally kind of, you've set yourself a benchmark now? Yeah, I mean, it it was, in my opinion, like Posthuman was that record of like, okay, like, this either becomes something people like and we take the next step to, to being a, a full-time band or, you know, it flops and, you know, we continue on with the rest of our life and the band goes back to being a hobby. Um, I think with the um, move to Metal Blade um, and working with Will Putney basically kind of helped us be able to concentrate more on on writing the record um we spent 17 days in the studio with posthuman which is about 10 days longer than any other record we've ever done um and that's not even including mixing so i mean we were able to work with someone different um really a, a big change too with posthuman is we had nick our other guitar player um, he officially became a member of the band um, after we had written Rust, and he had a, had a big influence on on writing Posthuman, and it kind of brought like a different mind into the writing process, um, which really helped I think write songs that um, because I think when you're when you're with the same people, you kind of have the same way of writing songs, the same method. So when you bring someone new it helps kind of mix that up a little bit. And I think he was really uh, a big part of, of writing, you know, a lot of the, the songs that were maybe different from other things we had done in the past. Um, and basically, um, yeah. So, I mean, the whole way we did the record was different and it took the longest to almost, I think we took almost two and a half years to officially write and record um, which was longer than any, any other record. Um, it also was a record where we scrapped a lot of songs and had to rewrite songs and rewrite parts. Um, and it was something that we really put a lot of time and effort in. So, you know, we were really happy that, you know, it was perceived as well as it, as it has been. And um, I think it is, is definitely a benchmark now. Um, if we're not going to write something better than that, then you might as well not put out anything at all. That's how I look at it. So, And how did the link up with Metal Blade come about? Did you approach them or did they approach you? Um, it was kind of they, – they approached us. It was kind of something that um, – we weren't really looking for a new label at the time because we were on Death Wish. But um, I think the start of it was we played um, South by Southwest – um, after Rust had come out and, you know, he kind of, that type of show has a lot of executives, if you will. And, um, I think between that, um, and we got started working with AGI, um, booking agency, um, which was, was very helpful in, in booking 
a lot of tours and getting opportunities. And um, I think that was just kind of the start of, of, you know, maybe, you know, I guess opening the eyes to, to bigger, to bigger labels. Um, and that was kind of, you know, there was other labels in the mix, but we decided on, on taking uh, metal blade just based upon um, what we thought was the best fit at the time. So now I wanted to um, ask about, lyrics and how you how you go about doing it and all of that now um do you find writing lyrics an easy or a hard process i mean your your lyrics i find really intriguing because they can be taken in so many ways it's up up to the reader to interpret them but do you find writing lyrics very hard or simple um i really i it's kind of weird lyrics come pretty easy to me um, I kind of have like, I'll, you know, create a subject I want to write about or something happening in my life that I want to write about. And then I kind of, um, you know, I, I usually wait till all the songs are written and then I write the lyrics. So, um, yeah, it's really not something that it takes me a lot of time. You know, there's, you know, there's certain songs, certain, you know, choruses where it takes me a while to match the cadence of the song, but. Um, as far as like what I want to write about and um, the words I use, I it's not really something that takes too long, to be honest. Um, but one thing I do kind of keep in mind is I want people to be able to relate to my lyrics um, in many different aspects. I don't want the lyrics to just be interpreted one particular way because what they mean to me, you know, that might not mean the same thing to somebody else. Um, and I think in the type of music that I'm writing, I think it's important that you can relate to lyrics as much as you can um, with as many different situations that people are going through as possible. So, um, you know, hopefully if people read my lyrics and that's something that's important to them um, with different music that, you know, hopefully people can relate and help them get through whatever it is they're getting through. Um, Cause that's what I've used music for, you know, since day one, you know, so. Um, yeah, it's, that's really, that's really what I write them for. And, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of the lyrics to me as well mean different things. They're not just one specific, um, you know, one specific meaning to every song. So do you find it hard, you know, pouring yourself out into lyrics? Like, do you ever write a song and then go, Ooh, okay. That's, that's really emphasizing something. I don't know if. I want people to know this part of me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I think like, because harm's way is, is a part of, you know, my life as an expression, um, you know, of what I am going through. Um, and it always has been lyrically. I'm not, I don't really fear that like I'm exposing too much, um, about myself lyrically. Um, that's never really, I, I try to expose as much as I can um, without, you know, putting exact details within the, within the lyrics. Um, you know, there's thing, things I write about that maybe obviously people don't know what actually happened to me and why I felt that certain way. But I know that, you know, people feel that way. Other people do. And, you know, like I said, I write them in a way which I want people to relate to the feeling, not necessarily the situation or the actual act um, that that happened to me. So, 
Okay. That's okay. that's basically basically it. Yeah, I love that. Um, now I've only got two real questions left, and then we'll sure. wrap things up. Um, one is, you know, some people say that hardcore isn't really hardcore anymore, and it doesn't really have its purpose and meaning anymore. Um, I wouldn't say you guys are hardcore. I say you're hardcore influenced metal i think you're a bit of both um but what do you think hardcore is in 2018 do you think it still has power and meaning do you think it's losing its touch i mean where do you see the culture of hardcore now i mean i think if you compare it to what was going on when it first started you know if you look at punk music in general in like the late 70s moving into the 80s you know a lot of people who are into punk music, you know, kind of use it as something that break, broke away from mainstream society, you know, whether it was politically or socially. Um, that was the place where they found the most acceptance. Um, and on top of that, too, you know, there was there was different types of music that drew different types of people, you know, people who lived on the streets or people who might have had bad relationships with their parents or, you know, didn't really you know people who were socially awkward or whatever but i think it still draws those types of people but i think you know if you look at you know the start of the 2000s you start to just have this thing that can expand the music to such you know a greater population and you know the internet is just the thing that has allowed bands to be able to you know, go places and, and make fans that they probably never would have done before. So um, I don't think that punk music and hardcore music or metal music has the same function that it had before, only because I think it draws a lot more people who, you know, might be considered like mainstream or, you know, might be considered typical of what society, you know, uh, thinks um trying to trying to explain it in in a no I, that that, in, that that hits the nail on the head i think yeah it's um yeah. it is i think i think it's very broad now it's not like you said it's not you know the disenfranchised are drawn to it now i think everyone is drawn to it but do you also <laughs> think because now we have so much social media because you know itunes and spotify and all of this do you think being in a band there's a bit more pressure to stay relevant and stay in people's attention than in there used to be i mean i i think if you're if you're in a band and you want to stay relevant i think you know you need to be in tune with what people are looking at what people are into um i think there is a lot of pressure to to kind of be hip at what's going on because you know if you're not going to be at the forefront and you're not going to be you know, making an effort to relate to the people that you're trying to play music to, then, you know, you're really going to end up not being a big band, if you will. And, you know, I think obviously that's not the, my main goal is to not be a big band. I, I could care less about that, you know, and I think Harm's Way has, has shown that we've always just done what we've done. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. Um, but I think there is some things you have to be conscious of you know, when you're booking tours, you know, when you are, you know, kind of creating merchandise and things like that, that kind of 
you want to be to appeal to as many people as possible um, without losing your credibility. If that's, you know, I, I don't want to change the way we sound or change our merchandise to appeal to people. But I think it's would be foolish to say that most bands aren't conscious of what people like or what people are into. Um, that helps maybe influence some of the things that you do as a band. Um, and I think obviously with social media, you know, that's just makes it, you know, you have to be more on your game because, you know, you're constantly having to connect with people, you know, whereas like, you know, before the internet, you know, you could put out a record and put out, a, you know, an artwork or a shirt and really you wouldn't know how people felt about anything except like, you know, metal reviews or mm. hardcore reviews or through the word of mouth, you know, it's like now people have a say in every single thing that you do as a band. They can critique every single person in the band. There's no repercussions for, you know, insulting you or doing things like that, which like it sucks sometimes, you know, because you put all this work into something and people can at the, you know, drop of a button, they can insult and take down every single thing that you've done, you know, that you worked on for two years, you know? And I think it sucks that that's the way that people use the internet, um, you know, to kind of criticize all these people. But at the same time, it's just something you have to learn to ignore and kind of, mm. you know, kind of just go in one ear out the other, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's the, the modern age of music is very interesting and, you know, you're seeing it kind of transform into, you know, this, especially hardcore, you kind of, you see it, you know, into this kind of small genre of music where there's a lot of political and social, you know, meanings behind a lot of things into this kind of powerhouse of just, you know, heavy music people don't really care about the lyrics and you know it's more about being a part of something rather than you know what these things actually mean if that makes sense yeah it does and one thing uh, uh last real question is um you know you love your powerlifting, you love your lifting weights but one thing that you do that you guys are very well renowned for is your energy when you guys play live and it's it's next level like dude i mean a lot of people say they don't like cardio but clearly you get your cardio fix on stage man like that, that is insane like do you do you make sure you're full of energy for a show or is it just you know it just turns on or out of nowhere yeah i mean i to be honest like i've actually if i want to tone it down it has to be something conscious because you know what you see is just how i express myself on stage i I've actually have hurt myself several times. Um, I have a herniated disc, not from, it might be from playing somewhat, but it's from powerlifting. It's from playing sports. So my back is definitely aggravated sometimes when I play, which I have to be conscious of. Um, sometimes from swinging my arms, I get tendonitis in my elbow. Um, it's just like, there's stupid, stupid injuries that happen. You know, in part of, you know, or putting on a show because of playing, you mm. know, and 
it's like it only getting worse as I get older. So I have to be more conscious sometimes about doing things like jumping off high things or things like that because I literally pay for it for like the next three or four weeks. And like, you know, right now, like we just got off warp tour and like there was like a lot of shit to jump off of, which I did. And my fucking knee is like killing me. And like, you know, that might not go away for months. So, you know, it's, it's just like, I, the energy is, is something that's real. It's something that I, you know, I do when I feel the music, but I definitely feed off the energy of the crowd. You know, if the crowd is lame and isn't into it, then like, I don't go off as hard because that's not, you know, I'm not really feeling it. But if, you know, people are into it and people, you know, are kind of going off, like I definitely feed off that energy and you can kind of tell, you know, when the show's good or bad, um, based upon how hard we're going off, I would say. <laughs> um, and that's not, and that's not like, you know, oh, this show sucks. Like I'm not going to go off. Like, that's not what I mean. But the energy in the room is different. You know, when people are really excited to see your band and people are really into it, as opposed to when people are just kind of like, you know, you're just a, a wall that's in the way before the next band that they want to see, you know, like, I, I, you could tell like sometimes, you know, when the show is, is good. I mean, I just like get way more into it and and jump off stuff and, you know, go off much harder than when, you know, it's, it's just lame. So, (laughs) well, it looks sick. Um, I saw it when you guys were down here doing rust to, uh, touring on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the last segment I do is a real fun one. It's called pick your poison. So what I'm going to do is I give you two options and you pick your favorite of those two and you you act like, act like you only have these two options for the rest of your life. And the one you pick is what you're stuck with. Okay. Okay. So we go pizza or burger. (laughs) Well, I would probably say burger. Okay. Okay. Now, chicken or beef? Beef, one hundred percent. Okay. Cooking or dining out? <laughs> dining out for sure. Okay. Cinema or on the couch? Uh, on the couch. Okay. Beach or snow? Oh, beach, hundred percent. Okay. Now, this one I always find funny: rollerblading or skateboarding. I don't like either, but skateboarding is much, uh, much more appropriate than than rollerblading at yeah. this point. <laughs> <laughs> Cat or dog? Dog. Terminator or Predator? Uh, characters or movies? Um, go characters because the movies both of them get bad as they keep going. So. <laughs> Well, I actually strongly disagree with that. Oh, which but, which one do you, which one are you a fan of? Which one, Predator or Terminator? Or well, both? I love both. If you know, I know something about me. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I love anything that he does. And those two movies are some of my favorite movies, like top ten for me. But as far as character, I would say Terminator is cooler. Okay, good answer. Now, next one will be a simple one then. Um, Sly or Arnie? Yeah, Arnold. Yeah, yeah, easy, without a doubt. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Rambo. 
Okay, a couple of music ones. Slayer or Pantera? It's hard. <laughs> uh, I would say Pantera. Okay, Terra or Madball? Uh, Madball, probably um, for me. Baseball or basketball? Basketball. Mosh pit or up the back? What, what was the second one? Up the back, like enjoying the view. Like I'm too old to get into a mosh pit, so I like standing on the edge oh. of the pit. Oh, I, I, I'm in the back for sure. Touring or recording? Uh, touring. And last one, CD or vinyl? Got to go with vinyl on that one. Dude, James, fuck. Thank you so much, dude. Like, this yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Really, really epic and um, really, really appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, no problem, man. And, um, Hopefully uh, we connect soon. Yeah, definitely. So that was my chat with James of Harm's Way. Thank you so fucking much, dude. So, so much. Really, really appreciate you being able to take time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Thank you so much. Definitely looking forward to you coming down to Australia next year and definitely going to catch up with you for a feed before a show or on one of your off days. Really looking forward to getting to meet you in person Now, of course, if you're not quite sure on Harm's Way's music and you haven't quite discovered it yet, there is a lot of it there for you to discover. Get online, get on Bandcamp, get on iTunes, get on Spotify, delve in and discover this band's immense, spectacular discography. You won't regret it at all. Thank you again, James. Much love, much respect. So that's it for the show. That is it for the Mosh Zone episode 34. It is done and dusted. It's in the can. It's all wrapped up. It's all finished. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Thank you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for giving the show a go. I hope you come back over the future weeks for more episodes. If you're a regular listener... Much love, much respect. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Guys, as I always say around this time of the show, if you've got some time this week, please help us out. Let your friends, let your neighbors, let your family know about the Mosh Zone. Help us grow this show. Also, if you have some time this week, share the podcast on your social medias. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get out to more listeners. Your help is vital and doesn't go unnoticed to helping this show grow. Also this week, if you're on iTunes, please give us a rating and review. That will help us also get out to more listeners. So that's it. Enough of my rambling. Enough for this week's episode. Thank you again. Have a great week. Stay safe. Over the bridge.